1: This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you. You. Thank you so much for listening to Greg and I over all these years. I have nothing else to plug here. There's an ad later on. Enjoy that, I guess. Um, hockey's coming back, question mark? Baseball's not, question mark? Probably not. And a lot more today. Our time with Panera Rangers and other stuff. Here we go. Here's today's show. Hi,
3: everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast.
1: Fans, welcome to another week of the bush break i am your host ryan Mead. i'm here with my co-host greg kaplan gregory say hello <sighs> it's dead buddy
3: you know you know what i so i will tease ahead right now we have jesse granger of the athletic he's the vegas golden night speed reporter coming up later we talk all things vegas some things hockey yada 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 i think it's good that we did jesse first right because if we were just coming off the rip like we normally do to start this podcast not a lot of nice things would have been said about rob manfred and the owners of major league baseball (laughs) and now now we're now we're at a point i'm at a point now where i'm far enough removed from it and we just had a conversation with someone where we didn't really talk about it that i i don't feel as heated and i can just calmly and smoothly say that the owners and manfred can go fuck themselves
1: yeah i mean i think that's the right way to say it and not, you said it in, in so many words, but Trevor Bauer said it in about 700 words. Um, and he's,
3: a, he's a smart motherfucker. I, I think he Bauer, is. it, it kind of sucks that Bauer is also an asshole because he's the kind of asshole that knows he's smart and therefore is an asshole. You know what I mean? We all had someone like that when we were growing up in middle school and high school. I think
1: we're a minute smart and 17 kid. seconds into the podcast and we've like almost broken our profanity filter. <laughs> yeah.
3: But it's, it's yeah. we all had them, right? There's there's the traditional nerds who were just really good at school. And you just That's pray amazing. to God, you got to sit next to one of them because they were quiet and smart. And some of them, you could even sneak a couple peeks off their paper and things would be great. But we all had the one kid who was really smart, knew he was really smart and therefore was pompous about it. I hated him I, hate I that think kid too. Trevor Bauer is that guy for baseball and it, it's good that he exists because baseball needs that guy right now at the same time doesn't make me like Trevor Bauer on a personal level but I'm happy he's doing his thing so I guess good for you Trevor Bauer you'll never listen to this but know that I support your pompous ass
1: I wonder if we can get Trevor on to talk about the NHL return when there's no baseball he's probably free um imagine I guess we will call <laughs> I'll message him and see what's up hey Trevor I know you're not busy at all trying to negotiate entire salaries for all your friends. Um, it's it's oh, so...
3: this, re- this re- you bringing that up reminds me that I've slid in the Bowers DMs before and I hate myself
1: for it. Did but you? The Mets
3: hired fucking Mickey Calloway. No, you didn't. I slid in every Indians DM being like, "Hey man, come on the podcast.
0: I want to talk about Mickey Callaway." Oh, oh, that's so. Uh, My
3: Clevenger also didn't respond to me. I hate it. They should have. They probably would have told me that he's a good guy and not a good manager.
1: Yeah. No, they would have said he's a good manager. They were back as boy. their boy. You know, like they were friends probably. Yeah. Who knows?
3: Should have got Danny Salazar. He would have spoke the truth.
1: It's true. They t- they've done Danny bad. Um. So, I saw you tweet this before, and it's not the Strom. Uh-huh. It's not the Strom tweet, but it's the Batman. God damn it. Tweet. We'll get to that. It's the Batman tweet. We'll get to that one.
3: Oh, I had a couple good tweets today.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm confused too because Gary Bettman. Awful, right? Like, I don't know. He's not, he's not good. Yeah. I, I can't name There's him. only one good commissioner. It's Adam Silver. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Adam, it. Like, and Adam's doing a great job. I know there's a lot going on with the NBA right now and their potential return and how to handle the Orlando thing and players wanting to uh, keep the Black Lives Matter movement going and in the spotlight and maybe basketball takes away from that. But other players thinking, hey, well, if we play basketball, we have a bigger stage. And Adam's handling all that the best he can. I really, I really do think he's doing a great job. Um, yeah. And uh, strangely enough, uh, Roger Goodell did, like, a uh, babyface turn, like, a week and a half ago. <laughs> uh, I,
3: don't, I don't know about that.
1: I, I don't know if babyface, the, but he did look, the right, Adam, did in the my right mind, thing, Adam Silver,
3: Adam Yeah, Adam Silver's a good commissioner. We all agree. I don't know anyone that would say Adam Adam Silver isn't a good commissioner. Adam Silver's a good commissioner because it, it almost feels like he cares more about the players than the owners, even though he's literally employed by the owners to serve the owners. Mm-hmm. Um Roger Goodell is a piece of shit, like on a human level.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
3: Uh, Gary Gary Bettman is a lawyer, which doesn't like. Obviously, all these guys are lawyers. All of them have law degrees in some way, shape, or form. You need one in order to run a sports league. But Gary Bettman's the kind of lawyer that will never stop being a lawyer, which makes him kind of difficult as a commissioner because everything will become dollars and cents. Everything is about the bottom line. There is no gray area for Gary Bettman. It's either red or black. That's it. That's all it'll ever be, um, That which makes him difficult and which makes him dig his heels in on issues that you would hope a commissioner would be more elastic about. But Gary Bettman is still better than Rob Manfred because Rob Manfred doesn't do anything good. He can't get out of his own goddamn way. I, don't,
1: I was trying to think of something that Rob Manfred did that I was like, oh, that was nice for baseball. And I can't think of one thing. I can't think of one thing. Uh- I know this is a hockey uh, even, podcast about the Rangers, and but it's just it's it's phenomenal to to think about. Wow, Gary Bettman's gonna have his sport back and ready. Like I don't really see too many stories about NHL players complaining about coming back. Do you? I don't see them. Maybe maybe they're like secretly hidden or something. But it seems like uh,
3: Roman 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 Polak with the Stars was the first one I saw this morning when he announced he was signing with the Czech League team because there was no fucking way he was leaving the Czech Republic to come back to the States to continue the hockey season.
1: Yeah. That, that was, makes that sense. was the
3: first one I saw.
1: Okay. That makes sense. But for the most part, I mean the Tampa Bay lightning literally made a video where they got on jet skis to go play hockey. Yeah, they sure did. Like they sure did. it seems, and I, don't, I don't, um, if anybody wants to stay where they are near their family and play wherever they are, more power to them. Seriously. Uh, still a pandemic by the way, hasn't stopped. Actually it's gotten worse. Um, despite what everyone's saying which is absolutely crazy wear a mask I don't care what you say Uh, it's if everyone wants to do that that's fine but it, for the most part when you look at the NHL landscape it seems like everything is going rather smoothly and I can see a situation where the NHL actually comes to an agreement with the Canadian government next week and we have our two hub cities we have our return date for, for camp I mean a couple Rangers already came back to camp this week including Mark Stahl and Brendan Smith Praise be to both of them. <laughs> and, uh, and Panera was on the ice too. So there's, everyone wants to come back for the most part. I think they're, they're having the easiest return of all the sports. And if you would have had me bet that before, like, let, let's say we had the first conversation. Uh, I think it was March 14th. We recorded I was just getting ready for quarantine. And so were you, you just got back from Colorado or you were flying back. If you were like, Hey, who's the first sport to come back and who does it the best. And i I, what the nhl is fourth is fourth there right like easily like i can't even imagine who's even yeah
3: now to be fair as as much rainbows and sunshine that you're throwing on the nhl i think it's important to remember that the nba is really the only league that has a concrete plan we still don't know when training camps are going to start we just know they won't start before july 10th we still don't know the hub cities whereas the nba we know the hub city and even though we don't feel great about the hub city. We also know the hub plan and the guidelines and the rules for these NBA teams. That's fair. Um, the only thing we know with the NHL is the playoff structure. We don't know when it starts and it's so it's the NBA is still ahead here. Uh, I, I also think the reason why the NBA and the NHL is having an easier time with this specifically than baseball is because the NBA and the NHL are worried about finishing, right? So the the NBA and NHL are having a much less nuanced conversation. It's about, we started this season, we were 85% of the way done with this season. Our conversation is, do we put a bow on this season in some way by coming back? Or do we just say, screw it, let's start planning for the future. Whereas baseball never even got started, which is why all of this negotiations and deals about prorated salaries and all that matters more with baseball because no one's received the check yet, right? The NHL players I think have missed two paychecks and I think NBA players have missed the same. So they're talking about how do we get the rest of the money that is owed to us, though it's not a substantial portion. If baseball players had already been paid for 85% of their labor, I bet you that negotiation goes a lot differently. But it's the fact that baseball players didn't give paycheck number one. So they had to start from scratch, and Lord knows what the fuck happened there. I We don't need to break it down. It, there's going to be classes taught about how poorly the owners have negotiated this deal. Uh, but I, I, I think in March, I wouldn't have had that opinion. I wouldn't have thought that. It's, it's all this time in isolation, all these dumb stories we see on a daily basis about labor negotiations that I now realize it's so much easier to finish the season because you've already paid most of your bills than it is to start— a season that is now shortened in some way shape or form because someone is getting screwed financially. So it's uh, today. It doesn't surprise me. It would have surprised me back in March.
1: Another silver lining. I think you make a lot of, well, I'll, I'll speak to your points real quick. I think you make a lot of great points there. Baseball, but just baseball had the chance to come back and own sports from the beginning. It's also probably the easiest sport to play via uh, well, with the coronavirus around. Like you can you could kind of social distance in baseball. It's almost built in for the most part. Except for the standing hey, on There's a, there's a
3: reason there's a reason why other countries have been able to figure it out pretty easily.
1: Yeah, I saw the South Korea rules. It's like six rules. It's like put it's like put put uh stuffed animals in the stands, like just you know, wear yeah, a like mask no sometimes. no, no
3: spitting, no licking your hands. Yeah. No no high fives and stuff like that for the most part. It' pretty simple stuff.
1: Pretty simple, but hockey and, and basketball and especially football are a whole different beast when it comes to social distancing, especially like they, there's no way you just get, um, you're breathing all over each other. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. So we will see what happens, uh, with the return of the NHL in that case. But, Another silver lining is something we talked about at least on last week's OT is is the growing of the game and the fandom for New York Rangers. And there's some things the Rangers have done recently that obviously I'm not happy with and neither should you be. Um, but you, I'm not talking to you, Greg. I'm talking to everyone else. Um, but this is a time that where it's a potential to grow. If there's no Yankee or Mets baseball on and there's NHL Ranger playoffs, this is a great time to be able to grow the game and to grow Ranger, like, Ranger fandom. Like this is a time you should be able to accept Baseball fans who are missing their sport because there's no New York Knicks. The Nets are the Nets. Who you know? I mean, I know Kyrie's on the team and Kyrie's a big deal. Kevin Durant's not playing, um, but they're the Nets. It's just not. It's not the same. So no Knicks, no Nets, uh, no Mets, no no football, no nothing. Like you're gonna have the opportunity to own New York sports if you're the New York Rangers, and I just hope even if you don't make it out of the first or whatever, the play-in round, whatever you want to call it versus Carolina, is you make the best of the situation using your advertising correctly. I know that's very business-minded of me, but it's just this is maybe the biggest time, if there is no baseball, for the Rangers to grow their fan base. Like, this is how, like, other than the Stanley Cup run, which obviously generated a lot of new fans at that time and a lot of new interest in the sport in New York, this will be the next time to do that. And I just hope the Rangers don't drop the ball like they have other things of recent
3: yeah it's it's tough because I think it let me, I'm, I'm trying to think of the exact words to put this. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've become a very inclusive society in terms of not, not necessarily accepting everybody at yeah. face value, not not in that way. What I mean what I mean is like we're all closed off, right? We all like our things and we don't want to like other things. The things we like is enough right now. And I, I it, it's, we all live we in our own time on bubble, Twitter. is what you're saying. Yeah, we're all we're all in our own bubble. So it's, I, I, I think maybe this argument may have carried more weight when there weren't, you know, thousands of things on TV. But it's, it's like, I don't know people that are talking more about Bundesliga football right now, because German soccer is the only thing back. I think the people who like the Premier League, when that comes back this week, I don't, maybe it gets a spike otherwise, but I I don't think more fans are going to be flocking to the premier league than they were before i i, I want to believe that if the mets and the yankees and the jets and the giants and the knicks and not the nets because who cares aren't around anymore that the rangers will get more of the spotlight and maybe they will but it, it's tough because we're, they're also craving a spotlight that can't be covered right now because of the pandemic right so it's like the rangers may command the back pages but our friend Rick Carpinello is not going to a Ranger game anytime soon. The the Colin Stevensons aren't going to the Ranger games. The Vince Mercaglianos aren't going to the Ranger games. These guys are going to be covering games from home. So it's the Rangers are going to have to get super creative. And I, maybe they can. I, I don't know that they will. And even if they do, I just think, I, I really think people like what they like. And I, I think it's really hard for sports to grow within the space that's been given to them at this point in time. Like, it's not impossible. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to come off sounding mm-hmm. like the most negative person in the world. I just think I don't know any of our friends who aren't already big hockey fans that are going to want to become hockey fans because the Mets and the Yankees aren't on TV. I got news for you, Ryan. When the Rangers were making playoff runs and the Mets were sucking it up in June, people were jumping off the Mets bandwagon then. I think most Mets fans are relieved that we don't have to watch games right now. Like, it, it's just one less thing to be frustrated about. And we kind of enjoy all this other free time that we have to do to like read or get angry at jk rowling or something like there's other things we're doing. So I, I, I just I don't know I don't know if I don't know if I don't know if any sport can command the spotlight, I think we all have just. divvied up whatever spotlights that we have and we don't want to shine on new things.
1: think you make a lot of good valid points there i maybe i'm too hopeful as i usually am but i do think if the rangers end up making a playoff like deep playoff run the rangers would probably have to win two rounds they'd probably have to beat carolina and they'd probably have to beat whoever they play after carolina most likely the tampa bay lightning or the Bruins. in that case so yeah i I just
3: don't i don't know i i really it's hard for me to make predictions because i still don't know what the hell these games are going to look like like it if the game is hard to watch because of whatever the aesthetic is that the rangers are playing in i don't the mo, like whatever momentum we're talking about might not exist so it's i don't know it's tough it's it's going to be one of those things where i'll know when it's happening but to try and sit here and forecast the future it, it's really tough I, I i have no idea
1: yeah it's just it's an interesting thought experiment to be like okay what would the rangers have to do to grow their fan base in this opportunity because you don't get opportunities like this where you're the only team in, that is one of the of four official major sports, I say. Official. I do
3: like that you're just completely shitting on the Islanders here. I don't know if you're doing it intentionally, <laughs> but I admire it.
1: I wasn't even thinking about them, and isn't that the Bryce Harper <laughs> kind of deal, where you know we did that whole podcast where you didn't think about Bryce Harper? As, uh, I know, but
3: the funny thing is you've said the word Islander before. Cause again, we talked, we talked with Jesse already and you specifically mentioned the Islanders. I
1: did mention the Islanders in Vegas. I did. I, it was yeah. an hour ago. And, and since I said them, I totally forgot about their entire existence. Man. That's, I love it. I'm here sucks. for it. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I, I... <laughs> Islanders. Actually I'm not, but wow. Um,
3: I'm here for you pissed that... off. You've pissed off every Islander fan that ever existed. And I pissed off every oiler fan that ever existed today. And we're just doing our job. We're just punching, punching the old time clock there, Ryan. That's it.
1: In and out. Try to get my job done. It's with the Islanders. It's like the nets. Like who cares? It's just, I'm sorry. Like who cares? You won four cups. No one cares. Nobody cares. It's I, you. You have your, your strong devoted fan base. I, I actually, and I will, I will get flamed for this. But I'm brave and I will say it. I don't mind some of the chance you do with the games. I don't. I think it's kind of cool you have that community. I wish we had more chance, like I don't know about like you, but I like when you sing when people score a goal. That's cool. It's very uh, European soccer-like, and I enjoy that. But other than that, you're irrelevant. And that's it. That's it. So uh, I don't know. And I know Barry Trots is a good coach, and he gets the most out of that team. Because Lord knows Lou doesn't give him a lot to work with. And I don't know how they're going to keep Matt Barzal. They really do not.
3: Um, um, I, if there's a, I, I, I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. If there were ever a smart organization out there in the NHL that had cap space, just fucking punt the draft picks and sign Matt Barzal. Make the Islanders make a hard decision.
1: Could you do it? Let's uh, – I know this is something we've been over. The Rangers but... can't do it. I'm not saying, so I'm not saying the Rangers. It's less fun for us. Like, like who would be, like, late in the draft where it could count? Like, oh, still – Oh, hold on. on.
3: I'll pull up Cap Friendly right now. I'll tell you – I'll give you, like, six teams that should do this. And I think one of them, off the top of my head, Avalanche. So, I know they have to pay Nate McKinnon coming up soon. Yeah, they do. Um. I mean, look. Devil, I, I don't want the Devils to do it, but it sure makes a whole lot of sense. The Devils, they have so many extra first-round picks through trades. Right. They could do it.
1: But it has, one of them has to be your own, right? And the Devils could really get like – They a- all
3: have to be your
1: own. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying.
3: Right? If you're the Devils and you give up all your – It they wouldn't be giving up this year's draft picks. The draft picks start next year because this year's draft will all be – Done.
1: Boy, I would so devil, hate if the Devils did that, but boy, that was a yeah, the smart move. Like
3: three first-round draft picks this year, and then the, so imagine the Devils make three first-round draft picks this year, and just say, "Well, I guess we don't need our next four years' worth of first-round draft picks because we got three this year." Oh, and we're adding Matt Barzal.
1: That seems worth like what? That's one of the first times you we've talked about this where it feels like, "Oh, that's probably even or or worth it." Because you don't know yeah. what those draft picks are going to be. You're, the Devils are a team that's looking to be better in the next couple of years. No doubt about it. Uh, I know they just traded. And it's and also important
3: pick. to remember that Bar- Bargall is young as hell. We're yeah. talking to a kid that's 20, 23 years old. So he's, if the, we as Ranger fans have been saying the New York Rangers looked at Artemi Panarin as a rebuilding proof signing, right? And he's still 27, 28. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 23, you had a franchise center. I don't care what stage of the rebuilding you are. You add him. It's that simple. Well, it's not hard.
1: Well, the other alternative that we kept hearing at that time was that the Rangers were heavily considering actually reaching out and and giving an offer to a restricted free agent in point. Yeah, in Rick. Day.
3: Rick Rick will go to his grave saying the Rangers wanted Braden Point, but the problem is Braden Point didn't want the Rangers. Right. Yeah, so it's, I believe Rick. I do. I I 100 believe Rick, and it, it, they just couldn't get it to work.
1: I'm very I, very 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 happy we have our Tami Panarin instead.
3: Yeah, if if the Devils were smart, I, they're just the perfect team for this. But I don't I don't trust anyone in the NHL to make this decision. It they they're all afraid for whatever reason.
1: I I just hope I hope that's uh, I don't. Also, forget. I
3: hope the Devils don't do it. I don't want Barzal on the Devils. I, they're not listening. That information is is redacted from them. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, if you work for the devil's organization, this is not—you're not allowed to do this. And if this does happen, you have to give us a signing bonus from signing Barzal, like his signing. No, bonus you give
3: payments. you give us the same whatever you're paying Matt Barzal, you're now paying us. Yeah, that's those true. are the rules.
1: That's that's we it. don't
3: we don't make the rules; we just enforce them.
1: We call dibs. Uh, there was, I guess we'll see what what happens there. I just wish they when the CBA does come up for negotiation uh, for the NHL, I hope that's something that that gets redone because it's just totally. I don't even know what the point of having it is if you can't use it and nobody uses it. Yeah, order.
3: I don't understand restrict free agency if it literally restricts free agency. Like, restricted free agency is not supposed to – the NBA does it perfectly. You have the opportunity to match. Even if you don't match, tough shit. But it, the opportunity exists for you there. And you're basically allowing some other team to dictate terms for the player that you have.
1: Yeah, so like the Nets – it, It's the risk. They, they went to go sign alan Crab for like 74 million dollars for 4 years and the Portland Trail Blazers were like yeah go ahead <laughs> like uh, all you buddy yeah, it's
3: it's it's a calculated risk where you're either negotiating a contract that the team that player plays for is happy to match or you're getting a player without having to give up an asset like it it's it's a negotiated risk and it makes perfect sense but The NHL has to have all these stipulations on it, even even if they wanted to do the NFL like restricted free agency exists in the NFL. I know, guys, I think it's four years outside of their draft year. If they weren't a first round draft pick, you can place a free agent tender on him that is specifically tied to the draft. So like the Niners did this with a couple of their running backs and they gave them second round tenders where if you want to sign their player, you just have to give up the one second round pick. I don't understand why the NHL makes it four consecutive first-round picks. It's the most cost-prohibitive thing the league's ever done. It's just—I
1: don't know. I just it,
3: wish the league wasn't so afraid of itself all the time.
1: I know, and first-round picks now, especially in the upcoming uh, decrease of cap error, probably are going to be the most valuable things going. There's nothing more valuable than than contract-controlled talent, and that's in every sport. And true. I
3: just—I—I I do wish that. NHL teams would consider their draft picks like NBA teams consider their draft picks. So it's like a team giving up, if you were to give up four first round draft picks to Matt Barzal, it's not like the New Jersey devils are giving up four top 10 picks. If you're signing Matt Barzal, ideally you're not picking inside the top 20 anymore. Like that's the whole point, right? Like the four first round draft picks you'd be giving up ideally are picks 28 through 32. Those are the picks that you're fine sacrificing. The the draft capital you're giving up there, it's only a first-round pick in name. The odds of those guys becoming stars is incredibly low. So I I just wish that people, specifically front offices in of the NHL, would just stop being so afraid of themselves, would understand what draft capital truly is, and understand that you should trade four picks outside the top 25 for Matt Barzal every day of the week. Every day of the week.
1: Absolutely. Um, we don't have any five-star questions this week. We have one really quick one. Do you Rangers. want me
3: just to continue to dance on the graves of the Edmonton Oilers and all their fans?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, you know what? Um, uh, Ranger Danger Sixty Nine asked a question, pretty much saying, you know, uh, one of our last, one of our previous episodes was pretty rough, and he strongly disagrees with some stances we've taken. Uh, tough it, shit. Yeah, that's just. It's, it's, my, it's my, it's
3: my, podcast, and I have thoughts. I don't, I don't, What, what did you want to come here for? I know listen. we came here for Greg Kaplan and Ryan Mead. This is what and we Greg are. Greg Kaplan and Ryan you Mead know, had things to say.
1: We, you know, it's there's been Ranger hockey in a while. We kind of talk about what we like in our lives, and we do focus on the Rangers a lot of the time. There's sometimes we don't. That's just what we do. <laughs> um, I, I,
3: I just, I, I just think it's hilarious that someone, you're upset because I spoke about something I cared about. Okay. So don't listen. Like, I, I don't do this podcast to please people. I, I do it because we do it.
1: We've it's always, you done and it. me
3: having a conversation that we let people listen in
1: on. We've always done it. Um, we're yeah. happy. We're very happy to be part of the athletic. That's awesome.
3: We're, I'm thrilled, thrilled. And I'm happy that there are thousands of people a week who somehow for some twisted reason, get joy out of what I say and what I'm angry about. It blows my mind that it happened.
1: Yeah, honestly, we were, were here for the ride. When we got 50 downloads, like, on our second episode, we were like, what? This is insane. I can't believe 50 people it. Are... This is crazy. Oh, my God. Dude,
3: I remember when we were thrilled that 100 people listened.
1: That was like, we yeah. We thought
3: that was an unattainable number.
1: When we got to 1,000, I was like, Greg, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is it, buddy. There's never anything else.
3: Yeah. I appreciate every single one of you that listens at the same time. Don't ever tell me what to say. Like, <laughs> it, it, I just, I don't know. Dude, what, I don't know what else to tell you. I, I'm
1: right here. I talked to Greg. You think I could tell Greg what to say? I can't do that. That's impossible.
3: <laughs> impossible. You I don't know. I don't know why you do it. You can't Man, tell the we're, we're guys We're guys that have thoughts and opinions on things and stuff. Yep. And more times than not, it's the New York Mets. And then and, some other times it's the New York and mostly Rangers. Mostly
1: for me, it's the Rangers. Yeah. And right. Uh, that's it. So
3: it's, and I'm happy that those thoughts and stuff is something you want to listen to, but then don't get angry at me when I want to say something that's on my mind and near and dear to my heart. Yeah, it sucks, dude. We listen. my show.
1: Yeah, uh, people have uh, platforms out there. People get angry at them all the time. There's a New York Ranger people are constantly angry at. Uh, maybe sometimes rightfully so. Maybe most of the time rightfully so. Um, these yeah. days, he, just
3: he shut is... the. Be... He's... You know how hard it is. To... Like <laughs> this, this is coming from me, Ryan. Right, a yeah. guy who wouldn't a guy who occasionally doesn't know when to shut the fuck up for his own good.
1: Yeah. Truly.
3: I, th- I think that's probably my life credo. Like, should I not say anything here? Probably not, but will I Yeah, it might be fun. He really doesn't know when to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like just shut up, shut up just for a month. See what happens for a month. Delete social media for a month. And if it, if you really, if you really miss it and you really need to get these opinions off your chest, then come back and will continue to be angry at you but just see like dip your toes in it now's the perfect time nothing's happening that it that is important to you clearly except <laughs> apparently christopher columbus statues so just just shut the fuck up for like a month
1: i think just, you know what's funny see. is it, uh, tony and some other stuff is is i really do like to hear the other side of things i think it's really important to hear you know all different sides of arguments and stuff like that because if you're like like we said i think being in a bubble earlier is is really affects all of us and It's something I think stepping outside your bubble sometimes is really important to learn and and to say, Oh, well, that's exactly how this person thinks. So like you could be a little empathetic in that case. There's some times where I'm just like, well, it's not worth it, man. What are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? Stop. Well, there's, there's,
3: there's a difference between sharing a thought that you have Mm -hmm. or having an opinion people disagree with and baiting people. And Tony Bates, he He baits people. Yeah. And like I don't want to... I listen. There's one thing I definitely don't want to hear here. It's, oh, you hate you him because of his politics. I don't give a shit about anyone's politics. Really don't. They're your business. They're not mine. I don't vote for you. You don't vote for me. I don't care. I, I, I think there's a clear right and wrong answer sometimes. It's not always blue that's right, and it's not always red that's wrong. I got to tell you guys, a lot of Democrats have done some shitty things over the years, too. It's incredible. You should read a history book. They're really informative. I just... The thing that pisses me off is I still think Tony D'Angelo, the hockey player has value. So much value. He just makes it so, he makes it, he makes it so hard to see the value in Tony D'Angelo, the hockey player. He really does.
1: And I'll I'll say something else. You know, we had him on the show. I thought he was really good on the show when he came on, he was subdued. He was, I thought he was going to be a way bigger asshole. And honestly he was right.
3: He he wasn't, he wasn't Fox news come to life. Right. I was half expecting him to be that.
1: He wasn't he was really calm for the most part, joked around a little bit, and then that was it. I know we got yelled at from some people for giving Tony a platform, but the platform we gave Tony was like he was subdued, and I'll be honest with you. I'll be perfectly frank with you. I listened to exactly like eight and a half minutes of Watch Your Tone just to, just because I was curious, and when Tony's on the podcast, like he's subdued, he just is. But when he's at a keyboard dude, he puts his face all over it. He's like, I'm gonna get everybody. <laughs> he rolls his face all over. It. He's like, people are, I'm gonna be, piss people off today. That's all I'm gonna do. He loves making people angry. It's just what it is. And I like I, I really I like Tony the hockey player. Like, I defended Tony the hockey player a lot this year. A lot. Um
3: Yeah, and- he he just Yeah, he's he, if the Rangers decided all of a sudden they wanted to trade Tony D'Angelo, I it would I hope they're a, I don't know like the thing the thing I that sucks for player, tony that yeah. the thing that i wish tony understood is the one organization that could actually replace him pretty quickly on the right hand side is the new york rangers So, like if he wants to be a new york ranger shut the fuck up I, I, <laughs> otherwise the rangers could l- easily move along without you there buddy
1: i'm sure we'll get some nice notes on this one Note, little sticky note on our desk um oh, I'm, sh-
3: I'm sure i'm sure, I'm sure. But also, sure. Leon Draisaitl is not the heart winner. I don't give a shit what Oilers fans say.
1: I don't get it. Don't. I really don't get it. Well, would...
3: it's simple. It's it. You don't you see Ryan. The last two years, you haven't been involved in these Cy Young debates, quote unquote debates mm-hmm. that surround Jacob Degrom. So I you're you're new. You're, you're a neophyte to these types of conversations. Where the only number that should matter is who was the league's most valuable player, pretty definitively Artemi Panarin. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. We've decided. Most valuable player. Done. No more work required, Ryan. Mission accomplished. But for some reason, teams, fans of other teams need to prove that, no, no, it's actually their player. And we're dumb for not agreeing with them. Even though, again, the only metric that's important here is who was more valuable. And with all the numbers and math that we have in the world, we actually know who it was. And it was Artemi Panarin, just like Jacob the Ground. Best pitcher in baseball the last two years, and that's not an opinion. He's literally got the highest WAR. I don't know what else you want. It's <laughs> right there for you. He's the guy. It's that simple. But for some reason, fans of under—it's we've heard it all these years with Max Scherzer. Ah, he's got more strikeouts. Uh, he pitched on a better team. Uh, he's got more wins. We even heard it. Well, who who wasn't a. There are, I think, Cardinal fans were trying to make a case for Jack Flaherty last year.
0: Yeah. If
3: I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no. Like good. that was the thing. It's, guys, most valuable player. All right, who's the most valuable player? Huh? Is that that's it? <laughs> that's the award. That's why Mike Trout wins every year because he's the best player. Leon Drysaddle wasn't better than our Panarin this year. Doesn't matter how many points he had. Was he more valuable? No. No. How do you know that? Because the numbers say it. Like when, <laughs> I don't like. I'm not providing you an opinion that there's, there isn't an opinion to be shared here. Leon Dreisaitl wasn't as valuable as Artemi Panarin. Done. Full, disc- full stock. That's it. There's no debate. There's your heart winner. I'm so happy we solved world peace this episode. We did it.
1: We went through a lot of nuanced topics. That's what you came here to talk about. Hey, if you want to leave a five-star question, go ahead and leave a five-star review on iTunes for us. And we'll read them on the show next week. Um, for right now, let's get into our interviewer, Jesse Granger, but first an ad from our sponsor today. Transition. I'm trying to press stop. Transition. Okay. Today's sponsor, Hawthorne. That's right. Hawthorne has me smelling good these days. It's really important. Hawthorne smells really, really good. I use their soap all the time. Actually, what I did was I went to their website and they asked me a few questions about my hygiene. I will not reveal those here. But Hawthorne.co, I went to their website, filled out a couple five-minute survey. They sent me soap, cologne, lotion, all catered towards my likings, and that was it. It says here, though, in when I read about this, I should mention gifting for Father's Day, and I'm not sure what that is. It says, perfect gift for your dad. Huh. Uh, you can take a quiz for someone else. You can take a quiz for your dad. I, I don't know what that means, but if you know what that means, you can go to Hawthorne.co right now. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an e.co, not .com. Hawthorne.co. Use my promo code BSB to get 10% off your first purchase. So that's hawthorne.co and use my promo code BSB to get 10% off your first purchase in hawthorne.co and get take the test for your dad whatever that is and figure it out. Anyway, back to the show. Hey, we're back with our guest of the day. We have Jesse Granger. He is our coworker of the, at the Athletic and he covers the Vegas Knights, a uh, longtime franchise. Uh for the athletic. Jesse, say hello. Hey, how's it going? Jess, thanks so much for joining us and I really we really only brought you on to ask you one question. In the long storied franchise of the Las Vegas history there, what's it been like covering the illustrious Nick Holden? As good for you as for us?
0: Nick Holden um he's fantastic to talk to in the locker room
1: great guy uh, one of my
0: favorite guys to just yeah to just have a conversation with especially when you go off hockey he's great um on the ice I mean, he, he hasn't been great I mean he was he actually had a pretty good season this year they paired him with Shea Theodore and and once they did that he was actually really really good especially analytic wise that's mostly just because he happens to be on the ice with Theodore but um yeah I mean he, off the ice he's great
1: I wish you know I we we We've watched Nick Holden throw away a uh, playoff series in Ottawa for us and some other things too for a very long time. So we have a, uh, how do you say, hate, hate relationship with him. But I know, I'm sure he's a wonderful, just great all around guy. But I have to tell you, I wish him, I wish all the best to him and his family. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's a really nice guy.
3: Um, yeah, we, uh, it, it got to a point with us where this was before the Rangers actually started playing Brendan Smith as a winger. But we kept asking the question of, is Nick Holden a winger? Because he sure wasn't playing defense for the Rangers, and maybe they <laughs> had just played him out of position for far
0: too long. It was a legit question for a couple of years. Yeah, he he's had some really big-time struggles here at Vegas, especially that first season. Um, and when he's been playing with, like, John Merrill, he, he struggled pretty badly. But this year, they put him with Theodore, and for whatever reason, that worked. Um, Theodore's strengths make up for his weaknesses, and he actually wasn't too bad this year.
1: So the real reason we brought you on is to talk about the return of the NHL. I don't know if you've heard, but there's a chance that uh, they'll be playing in in Vegas, or at least that's the first decided city. Uh, For some reason, the Rangers and the Islanders will be going out west to play there, and the second city is yet to be decided. Do you think Vegas is a good hub city right now currently to host the NHL uh, playoffs?
0: Um, I mean, they've got all the required ingredients to, like, they they check all the boxes. Um, They've got, obviously, T-Mobile Arena, which is a brand new arena. And it's, T-Mobile Arena, I think, is a little more uniquely built to host a bunch of teams. Um, Not that other arenas can't, but this arena holds the Pac-12 tournament every year where there's a lot of teams and and there's a lot of locker rooms to accommodate that um so i think t-mobile arena is uniquely built for that more than some Um, obviously you have the hotel rooms that's never going to be a shortage um i love the statistic that uh you hear on like every tourist route you go on here is that they have more hotel rooms on the intersection of las vegas boulevard and tropicana which is where t-mobile is Um, there are more hotel rooms on that intersection than there are in the city of san francisco wow um, so it's pretty insane. They've, they they definitely have the hotel. And it, and not only do they have the hotel rooms, there there are plenty of hotels in other places that can host 12 teams, but they have the room to spread them out and and really um, separate the NHL players from the rest of the general public. And they've got Park MGM still closed, um, not open to the public. And that's, you can walk right outside Park MGM and T-Mobile arenas right in front of it. So um, that's great. The The issues maybe that people look at with Vegas are the, um, ice sheets available and there is a there is a small shortage of that I mean they, they've only got six in town and I'd say only three of them are legit NHL quality ice but the the thing that the MGM kind of can and, and the MGM did submit a proposal to the NHL and in that they they kind of showed that they can expand the ice and the MGM Grand is right across the street from T-Mobile Arena and that has the ability to to hold an NHL rink they the Kings and Avalanche played preseason games there for 13 years in a row prior to the Golden Knights coming to Vegas. So they they can expand that. The Orleans Arena is right down the street on the same road and that is going to be the home of the AHL team for the next two seasons. That's coming uh the San Antonio Rampage are moving to Vegas to be the Henderson Silver Knights. They'll play at the Orleans for the next two years. So they can also put the ice down there. So you can have three NHL rinks within about a two mile span of each other Um, that would allow you to play multiple games per day without the chance of one of the games going to quadruple overtime and you've got guys sitting in the locker room waiting to play. Um, I know that happens in college tournaments. They probably don't want it happening in the NHL. So those are kind of like the unique to me that those are some of the things that set Vegas apart from, from the other candidates.
3: When we think of the return to play stuff uh, we, often obviously we don't think about anything baseball related since they're never coming back but we <laughs> yeah. we do think about the nba and how the nba they're proposing or are planning to follow through with this disney bubble and how there are going to be all these restrictive rules for the players such as i mean the players won't be able to go to the parks families won't be able to go to the parks all that stuff is it realistic for us to believe that nhl could put something like that in place if you're putting guys in their life primes, just in the heart of vegas that is now back open to the public
0: yeah and and i think that's sort of changing um the perspective on this because when when all this talk about hub cities started happening and i first started reporting that vegas was one of the hub cities vegas was completely shut down i'm talking every casino every restaurant and that's changed pretty significantly here in this last week or so um, where a lot of the casinos have opened back up. I'd say probably half of them on the strip are back open and they're not at full capacity. And it's it's still not the same, but it, Vegas is sort of coming back. And I think that makes Vegas not quite as good of a fit as it was when everything was shut down. Um, and I also think. As these casinos reopen, and if we don't see a second wave, and obviously that's the the scare right now, is how is all of this going? All these things opening up going to affect the numbers? And, if, and let's just say you don't get that second wave, um, these casinos are going to want to open all of their casinos pretty quickly because obviously you make more money having a casino open than you do housing NHL players. So um, it it definitely does with with Vegas reopening over the last week or so, it definitely does make it a little more sketchy and not quite the perfect fit that it was when Vegas was completely shut down.
1: Have any of the Vegas players, uh, or have you spoken to any of the Vegas players that have shown any concerns with this idea or or plan so far?
0: Um, No. Everyone I've talked to, and I actually just got off the availability with Kelly McCrimmon and he, he basically they've all said it's it'll be great I mean and they know they they all love the facilities and because this team is so new everything out here is brand new um and that helps and I think um yeah everything I've heard is positive um McCrimmon even said today he's like I hope we if, if Vegas is a hub city I would hope we get to play here but if not we'll go wherever the NHL tells us I mean it's it's going to depend on what that other city is I think um we'll we'll depend on whether the West stays in Vegas or not, because if, say it's Vancouver, um, say say the travel ban gets lifted and they, they pick Vancouver, well, you've got the Canucks and Golden Knights both in the playoffs in the West. So you, you can't keep them both out of their own home city. So I don't, it's going to be interesting to see where they go if they end up choosing another Western city for the hub.
3: Do you think, we've talked about this before, Do you the most of the home ice advantage stuff we talk about usually revolves around travel and being in front of your home fans. But if travel's out of the equation and there aren't going to be any fans in attendance, is there a benefit to Vegas playing in Vegas, or is it just another sheet of ice that people are going to just be playing on? It just happens to be in a place they call home.
0: Right. I think there are certainly some advantages just being in the right time zone. might be different for for some guys i i would say that that i think there's a way they can minimize the advantages if if they're in a situation where they can't keep all the teams out of their own home cities like the vancouver situation i just said um, i think maybe if they're going to use the mgm grand you you would make the golden knights play there at least that way they're not playing at t-mobile and and the golden knights actually don't have that much of a familiarity with t-mobile because unlike most teams um i think they may be the only team that does this but Um, they don't ever practice or do uh, morning skates at T-Mobile arena ever Mm -hmm. in the history of the franchise. They've only done, I think two practices at T-Mobile arena and both of those were for the team photo. Um, They skate at city national arena, which is out here in Summerlin and even for morning skates, they have never skated at Team Arena. so I don't know if they have like they know the boards or whatever. I don't I don't know if they have as much of an advantage as some teams do because they only play there for games. But if you want to take away that perceived advantage, you could make them play at MGM Grand um, with new boards that they've never played it on before. So I think there are ways to get around that, um, and and obviously you would make the players stay in the hotel and and be sequestered like all the other players they don't get to go home and see their family every night that obviously wouldn't be fair but uh yeah so i i do think there are some issues but i think there are ways around those issues if the nhl comes to that situation
1: so i i guess my question is on a follow-up obviously vegas everything you described there like it seems like the perfect fit for the nhl return at least for half of it i mean having the new uh facilities having familiarity at least with the with the city, especially having the finals in it pretty recently. Um, What or where, where is the second city? Where would that even be? What do you think the second city is going to be at this point? I know Canadian cities have been, or they've been in touch with the Canadian government to see if they could work something out. Um, Where do you predict it will be?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, to me, Edmonton is the best fit. And
1: I think Edmonton may even be a better fit than Vegas just
0: because they've got, everything all connected. And I don't know if you guys have been to the rink in Edmonton, but it's the the game rink and the practice rink are connected. Um, you can walk between the two without ever going outside. And they've got that massive hotel. I forgot which hotel it is, but it's a giant one, and it's across the street, and there's a walkway, um, an indoor walkway from the two. So the players can literally never leave that building and play all those games, and you could hold multiple games at once. So I think Edmonton is a really good option, and obviously that is – pending the the canadian government and the decisions they make um outside of that i i mean a lot of the markets in the u.s make sense um i think la was one of the ones i've been hearing a lot and that one kind of confuses me because of just how difficult it is to get around everywhere in la um but yeah i mean i to me edmonton is the one that sticks out as um, a really good setup
3: that that makes sense i I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't bring this back to talking specifically about the Golden Knights. And once again, two years in this league, two years as one of the favorites to come out of the Western Conference because we all predicted that was going to happen. Uh, (laughs) How do you think the Golden Knights would handle coming off this break? Do you think it, I mean, I I don't think anyone would say this helped anybody, but do you think this is a team that could come back they, unlike the Rangers, have to deal with the round-robin seeding format as opposed to the Rangers who have to play for their playoff lives. How do you see the round-robin games going? Do you think they'll – is there a benefit to the Golden Knights being seated one, two, three, or four in your mind?
0: Yeah, um, I would argue that this actually did help the Golden Knights um, pretty considerably just because when everything paused, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, and Alex Tuck were all week to week. And uh, it turns out that Mark Stone's injury took him a little longer to recover from than he expected. And uh, he would have missed the first round of the playoffs or at least part of it. And so would Max Pacioretty. Um, Obviously those are the two top scorers and the two best players, two best forwards on the team. So um, I think they were a little fortunate with this. And there are some other teams that got some injury help with this extra time off, like Colorado and Tampa Bay. But um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they all react. But I think the Golden Knights in the end are going to, be in better shape than they would have been if the season would have continued on um, as normal when it comes to the round robin I th- them announcing that it's going to be reseeded after every round is fascinating to me because to me that. The, the round robin was going to be semi important I mean you, you want to try to go all out and you want to try to match the intensity that those teams that are playing in those play in rounds are uh have when they're playing for their lives and obviously you can't simulate that but you want to do it as best you can but now that they've announced that the seeding is going to be redone after every round that number one seed is a massive massive advantage because we know how the nhl playoffs work There are going to be upsets you could conceivably get all the way to the western conference final without playing any of those round robin teams because if you're the one seed they they play all those playing games whatever the worst team is that wins that pulls the craziest upset you get them in the first round that's a great matchup then in that second round i would assume one of the the round robin teams dallas st louis vegas or colorado one of them is going to lose that's just how stanley cup playoffs usually work so if you're the one seed you get that lower seed again all the way to the western conference finals so i think these round-robin games, because of the reseeding, I think there's going to be an, an added intensity, and I think trying to get that one seat is actually worth something, and I think it'll help all of those round-robin teams because it, the, the more intense those games are, the better prepared they'll be for facing those teams coming off of do-or-die series where the season is on the line
1: as we uh, cover the Rangers, we, we're well aware of this because if Montreal loses, we'll be facing the top overall seed every single round moving forward if we do beat <laughs> Carolina. So uh, that'll be a great time That's for us. Brutal, it is brutal. But we were in a playoff team, even though I do believe we were one of the hottest teams in the league going uh, before we got shut down there. We did lose our last game, which Greg was happened to be at versus the Avalanche in overtime. Uh, we got a point, the loser point, of course. But we were on fire beforehand. Um, so we will yeah. be doing, we will be doing that. Uh, I had a great question lined up and I got distracted by the exact sadness of facing the top seed (laughs) by possibly having to play Boston and and Tampa Bay in a row.
0: I think this, this aspect of the playoffs, it completely changes it because it it eliminates the bracket and it it makes it that much harder for the lower teams to, to pull upsets because they're just going to, just have to go through the gauntlet. And like I said, I think it really, really makes, especially that one seat, because there's going to be at least one upset in each round. And you're going to get that team coming off the upset every time.
1: It's going to be uh, absolutely thrilling. Uh, thrilling. Actually, I, f- I remember my question now, here we go. So w- when I went to Vegas last, I believe it was like last year, I was there for a work trip and I noticed that literally everywhere I went, in the city there was golden knight memorabilia like you couldn't escape it i know vegas is a a capitalist town as it is and just is pumping out memorabilia left and right you can get t-shirts anywhere but it felt like the entire city had really embraced the golden knights with the nfl finally coming into the fray here do you feel like the golden knight intensity is going to lesser at all because i feel like even though hockey is quote unquote the fourth sport thank you max um i do believe that they can still keep the momentum in Vegas. Like it seems like it's already a hockey town. I know football is the, the sport in America, but it does feel like they have a good grasp over the whole city.
0: Most definitely. Um, I, yeah, I don't think this team is worried about the Raiders stealing their thunder at all. Um, I think initially when the the, the Raiders moving to Vegas was announced before the golden Knights had any players or anything. And initially I think there was a, Oh crap the NFL is going to steal our thunder and and this isn't going to work. But I think with the success, the immediate success that they had helps a lot. Um, And they've, they've built up a really diehard fan base here. And I think, to me, the NFL, it's its eight home games a year. I don't think that's going to keep people away from hockey. I think if, if the Golden Knights end up losing some momentum, it's going to be because they're losing a lot, um, not because of the NFL. Um, and I—and When you compare the two, I think the NFL will always be bigger than the NHL in Vegas. It always has been. It is now. The NFL is bigger than the NHL. If there's a Monday night football game on and there are a bunch of hockey games on that aren't Golden Knights, um, nobody cares about those other games in Vegas. They, they want to watch the NFL. Now, when you go to specific teams, I think the golden Knights will always be bigger than the Raiders here. Um, Even though as a sport, it's not, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but there, there are more, there are more Golden Knights fans here. There aren't that many just general hockey fans. Whereas everyone in Vegas loves football. It's obviously the most bet on sport. And that's, that's the sport that draws the huge crowds to the sports book every weekend. Um, I love going to the sports book and watching the NFL on Sundays and putting some parlays in it's that's, The sport of Vegas. It's been that way forever. And I don't think that's going to change. I don't know how many people are going to convert to Raiders fans. Um, I think a lot of people are excited to go to watch their favorite team play against the Raiders. And I think that's because there were hockey fans in Vegas, but they were... They weren't diehard hockey fans. They were like, oh, yeah, I'm from Detroit. I kind of like the Red Wings. I watch them every once in a while. And then when the Golden Knights came and they won immediately, it was easy for those fans to abandon their old team and hop on the bandwagon because they weren't that strongly connected to them. Whereas I think NFL fans in Vegas are more strongly connected to their team. They're more into it, whether they're a Vikings fan or a Broncos fan or whatever. I think it's going to be a lot harder for the Raiders to convert those those people from their old allegiances, whereas the Golden Knights had a much easier time with it. So it's going to be interesting. If the Raiders wouldn't go to the Super Bowl in year one, like the Golden Knights did, uh, maybe that changes things. But right now, that's kind of my view on it.
3: Yeah. Football fans in Vegas are more financially invested into their teams already. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that, the great thing about football is it doesn't, you don't need to live in the city where your favorite team plays because, first of all, all the games are on all the time. Or if you have red zone, you can just cherry pick wherever you want. And second, let's not pretend like we all haven't been betting our favorite football teams forever, whereas hockey fans, if you weren't invested in a team on an emotional level, I would think I'd be hard – I don't think I know, as an avid gambler, as someone that 100% has a problem, I don't know any casual hockey fans that bet random games where they don't have a rooting interest in. So you can just make a fan with the NHL that you can't do in the NFL.
0: Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. Um and, and one thing that's interesting to me that I've found, and I've just noted I think I came to this conclusion just a few months ago, but whenever I tweet about the Raiders, because I'm obviously my following is all Golden Knights fans, whenever I tweet anything about the Raiders and the, the tweet that I sent a few weeks ago is just comparing how all three logos cause they announced the AHL team's logo, the Henderson Silver Knights, and it's on a shield just like the Golden Knights logos on a shield and the Raiders logos on a shield. So I just tweeted the three and I said like, "Oh, I'm, I'm picking up a trend or something. And there is so much venom from Golden Knights fans toward the Raiders. And I'm trying to figure out why I'm like, man, if, if like New York, for example, like you can like all the New York sports teams, you don't have to pick one. But to me, I think maybe when the NFL announced it was coming to Vegas, I think the people who had really latched on to hockey felt threatened by it and felt, Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want football to come and steal our thunder. This is our thing. So I think it's almost created a divide, and and I think a lot of Golden Knights fans are not going to like the Raiders for that reason. It's very strange, and that may go away after time when your home team's playing here every Sunday and they're winning, and and I think they could they can change that real quick. But it's definitely something the Raiders are going to have to uh, a hurdle they're going to have to clear. I think.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I don't I don't know. I just I'm I'm envisioning
3: people who are already pissed off about the Raiders are now going to be more pissed off because once a year they're gonna to have to deal with pricks from Denver or something when the <laughs> Broncos come into town. So it's just going to make them hate the Raiders even more because they're dealing with more people that they don't want to deal with
0: uh, it. I can see it going both ways. Well, uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's going to be interesting. I it's I'm fascinated by it. I love the NFL and I'm one of the pricks from Denver. I'm a Broncos fan. So I'll, I'll be, I'll, well,
1: luckily, luckily. If I'm it if here,
3: Jesse so it makes I'm you feel better, good. my sister lives in Denver. So that yeah, that, yeah, that no, wasn't no, a statement about people from Denver. It was just I don't know why Denver was even the first name. I could have well, here's why. Cuz Charger fans don't exist, so I couldn't put a dig at them. And I don't it's the Chiefs are too lovable, so I, I can't exactly diss right. the Chiefs right now either.
0: And the Broncos fans are gonna. I mean, like the Steelers are gonna bring a ton of people here. It's that stadium's gonna be full of Steelers fans and Broncos fans oh, yeah, and, and, sure. and all those teams that travel real well.
3: Can I just can I just say I hate that Steelers fans exist everywhere. I lived four <laughs> years in Savannah, Georgia. It, we're four and a half hours away from Atlanta. We're four hours away from Jacksonville. There's no reason for anyone in Savannah, Georgia to be a Steelers fan. And yet every time I went to a bar to watch football, there were terrible towels everywhere I went. And it would just piss me off. I couldn't stand it. Why do they exist everywhere? What is it about the Steelers? I don't understand.
0: All them Super Bowls, I would guess.
3: It's all them Super Bowls. Yeah, but the the Niners have them. <laughs> the Niners have them. The, the, uh, the, the, the Patriots have them. I didn't see nearly as many Patriot fans as I would
1: steal their fans. Patriots is, mo- is modern-day success, though. It's different. because I don't know.
3: I, I, I need to launch an investigation is what I'm saying.
1: Jesse, I have one final question for you. I read your goalie uh, tandem rankings, and you had the Rangers 23rd, and you had uh, one of the downsides as there were three of them, and Henrik Lundqvist cost a lot. Care to defend yourself? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? I'm, wait a minute! I'm confused. What's
1: I, I think I saw? Again? I think I saw your. Did you write a, a tandem ranking yes. for goalies? Yeah. And uh, you mm-hmm. had the you had the Rangers ranked 23rd. Um, I saw on it, but there's also three of them. You did mention that, but one of the reasons you had them so low is because Henrik Lundqvist um, costs so much. And I, I'm pretty much asking you to defend yourself in this moment
0: because... Right. Okay. So, th- I, yeah, I think... And and it, it, trust me, in the comments of that story, um, I think there was a lot of misunderstanding um, when it came to, like, what I was actually doing in that story. So, those were not my ranking. Like, I didn't come up with those. Oh, okay. <laughs> I That was simply a um, formula that I put in where I, I took their goal saved above average and goals saved above expected for each team. I ranked them one through 31 in each of those categories. And I used that ranking to determine how the, the quality of the goaltending um, for each team. So here, let me pull it up right now. Rangers. So their goaltending quality ranked ninth in the league, which is good, right? Top right. 10. Great. And that's, and that's, and that's based on simply just the numbers: goal saved above expected and goal saved above average. The problem was their cap hit was ranked third, so all I did mm. was subtract the goaltending rank from the cap hit rank to deci- to figure out how much they were getting for what they were paying, basically. Got it. So it ended up with a mi- a difference of minus six, which is not great. Um, it's not terrible, but it's not great. So that Lunquist contract is so bad that it kind of cancels out how good Gorgiev and Shostakin were. Um, just because he's getting $8.5 So I think that really, really hurt them in the rink. And you take that Lundqvist contract off there, and you've got Gorgiev and Shesterkin's cheap contracts, and all of a sudden they're probably in the top five, if not top three in the league, I would guess, in in goaltending value.
3: I'm just going to assume this means that the Canadians were last. I haven't looked at the article, but I, just, I know Carey Price's cap hit off the top of my head, and I know that the rest of their goalies
0: weren't that good. So I refuse to believe anything that isn't the Canadians are last. So the Canadians were actually 28th and they they had the first ranked cap hit. So they had the highest cap hit. You're right about that. But they finished 18th in terms of goaltending quality. So kind of middle of the pack. Meanwhile, the Florida Panthers had the second highest goalie cap hit with Bobrovsky, and they were 26th in the league in goaltending quality, um, so one of the worst. So they were actually the worst. They had a minus 24 differential. Yeah,
3: Bob, Bobrovsky, not good. Well, Maybe don't give... Good news, there's only, like,
1: two more years on that contract. All right. Um, well.
3: <laughs> I, 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 got, I, I have one more, Jesse, and it's topical because the Ryan Reeves extension was announced today. Were you... Is it surprising to you that the Knights... I know it's not the world's biggest contract. I think it's, what, $1.7 annually. Uh, annually. Yeah. Is it interesting to you that the Knights are even announcing contract extensions or any team is
0: announcing contract extensions when we have no idea what the cap is even going to be? Yeah, it is a little strange. And it's funny because I actually spoke with Kelly a couple weeks ago, and I was asking him free agency questions. And after every free agency question, he he would tell me, Jesse, I know it seems like we're in the offseason right now, but we're actually between the regular season and the playoffs, so um, I don't really want to talk about that. And then he went and signed Ryan Reeves, so apparently they are in the offseason. So it it is strange, and like you said, it's a minimal contract. I don't see them handing out – like Robin Leonard is obviously the big UFA, and he's – I mean, it's going to be tough to keep him, but I I don't think they're going to be giving out big contracts like that until they figure out the cap. Um, But you're right. I mean, it is a little strange, and the Golden Knights are one of the teams that are going to be affected – pretty drastically by what the cap is, whether it's um, whether it goes down or whether it stays the same. They're one of those teams that's really pressed up against the cap. So um, it is it is kind of interesting. And like you said, one point seven million, it's not a huge contract, but I think it's a little higher than what um, we expected for Reeves. I expected him to get a little over like around a million, maybe a slightly over a million. So one point seven five is a little higher than I expected. So we'll see what they do. I mean, they, they, they really like him. Kelly McCrimmon, he's, he's a Winnipeg guy, just like Reeves. And, and he really likes him and Pete DeBoer um, in his short time here has grown to really like Ryan Reeves. So they, they value him more than I think a lot of teams do, especially when you look at the analytics, which aren't really kind to players like Reeves. Um, so they're, they're happy
1: to keep him. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us to talk a little bit about uh, Vegas and the return and also the Vegas golden Knights. <laughs> Ryan,
3: but, did you just, did you just thank yourself?
1: Did I say Ryan. You did. Dude. Long day. Jesse <laughs> Jesse Grager of the Athletic. Thank you so much for joining us. And thanks me for introducing you. Why don't you go ahead and book all the things you do for our lovely website?
0: Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, no. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Um I yeah,
1: I cover the golden Knights
0: out here in Vegas. Um Got a lot of ex- exciting stuff coming up that I've been working on, um, including something big on Reeves um, was hoping to have it done by today's for this announcement, but maybe tomorrow. Um, but here soon, uh, big story on Ryan Reeves coming out on the athletic.
1: Awesome. And you can follow Jesse at Jesse, Jesse Granger underscore at the end. Don't forget the underscore. It's important. Jesse, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me guys. An excellent interview with Jesse Granger, who I thanked myself for. I appreciate that for me. Um,
3: yeah, that was a new one for you. Yeah. I had, I had I, I was trying to think if you thought we were talking to someone else.
1: Like Ryan Clark. I think, if, I, I think, think about I talking to Ryan Clark a lot. You know, he's a cool guy.
3: I, I do love Ryan. I just, I wish we, the thing about Ryan I love the most are the, when we stop recording the interviews, he just goes after me about the Mets. And we really, we really have to bring him back so he can just shit on my Met takes. He just eviscerated Michael Conforto the last time we were on this podcast Brutal, and I wasn't ready. I didn't know what to do. It was, it was amazing. I don't know why we stopped recording with Ryan ever, but I was just thinking in my mind, so to, to peel back the onions of this, to peel back the layers of the onion a little bit. What people don't know is the software Ryan and I use to record this podcast. Mm -hmm. You can see everybody's name. So you see my name, you see Ryan and you see our interviewee's name. I just think you were looking at the screen, Ryan. And you saw the name
0: Ryan, Ryan
3: without realizing <laughs> that it was your picture. And you're like, ah, all right. Well, thanks Ryan. Even though Jesse's name was very clearly there. My name was very clearly there. I think you just, I think you just zoned out entirely at the end of it.
1: I am. Um, I am a little bit worn out currently, and we do have a lot a bigger show coming on Wednesday. We're going to do a BSBOT. Not really sure how this is. These are going to go yet. We have a little bit, a couple of ideas, but we're going to be re- uh, reviewing over the next eight weeks. Um, the Stanley Cup finals from 94. We'll be reviewing game one and two, three and four, and then five and six. And then we'll do game seven. Maybe even for game seven, we can have a guest. Who knows?
3: Aren't we doing Eastern Conference finals too? What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, because Eastern Conference first. I was talking about the whole thing. My bad. So, I think
3: I thought you were only. T- I thought you were only talking about the Stanley Cup. No, we're doing. Did Devils- I zone out this
1: time? No, we're doing Devils. Maybe we're doing Devils. Yeah, that's what- Devils series first. You made, you
3: made it sound like we were only talking about the Stanley Cup.
1: Series. No, 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 no. De- The Stanley Cup win, but we're doing Devils series first into Vancouver. Is what we're doing. Yes. So we're gonna do yes. uh two an episode except for Game Seven, which will be its own episode, and then we'll do the exact same thing with the Vancouver series, um, and maybe we will even have a guest for the, the Game Sevens. Who knows? But we're gonna try and co- try and cover at least, in my opinion um and we can uh talk about this off air of course but i know you guys love to hear our business meetings um like like we were kind of covering it like it was happening in real time like a BSBOT. i mean like a like an actual boosters breakaway episode but just for the 94s so i i maybe we'll add a category or two or, or just like go around there but i think that's the best way to go about it and if yeah. you go on
3: well I, i'm just i was talking with a buddy of mine who was at, of an adult age in 1994 when all this stuff was happening. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him about how we were doing this and he was explaining to me the end of the Devil series about how it was one of the more miserable experiences of his life. And just as he got to a point where he just assumed it was over and the Rangers had lost multiple times. Uh, so as someone who is completely, the only part of the Devil series I've ever seen is the Macho goal, cool. that's it. I've never watched any of these games in full.
1: I've, so I've I've actually never watched them in full either. This will be my first time. I've read about them, I think, but I've never watched them in full.
3: I think I've at, I've at least seen a lot of game seven of the Stanley Cup final. Same. I'm pretty pretty sure of that. But I, I promise you, I haven't seen a second outside of the Matto goal of this Devils series. Not one.
1: So uh, we'll be back Wednesday. We'll be re- reco- covering games one and two, just like our takeaways, our impressions, and you don't you don't have to watch the games. We're not asking you to watch all the games with us, but we're going to try and just to give you a feel of what we think was going on in the games at that time and and the pressure. and We'll try and get some narratives around that too. All right, Greggy. We'll be back Wednesday or we'll be recording Wednesday night and we'll be episode will be out Thursday. Love you guys. Talk to you later. Bye.